Hey there. Welcome to Just To Be Nominated, a podcast about movies distributed by Lee Enterprises. The show is hosted by me, Chris Lay, the podcast operations manager for Lee, along with Bruce Miller, an entertainment reporter for multiple decades who is currently the editor of the Sioux City Journal, and Jared McNett, a reporter for the Globe Gazette in Mason City, Iowa. Most of the time, we pick five of our favorite films on a theme or concept and go back and forth hashing them all out. This time is a little different since we are fully in the throes of award season. The Golden Globe and the Screen Actors Guild nominations were announced, and the Oscars released a handful of their shortlists for lower ticket awards. So we are revisiting some of our conversations from last week about the Golden Globe nominations, and we added some Valentine's Day staff picks for good measure. As always, you can check the show notes for links to where you can stream the movies that we talked about and discover older episodes as well. Now, here it is. Our show kicks off after this short pause. One week after the Golden Globes nominations being announced and we had the, was it SAG? Screen Actors Guild. Yeah, the voice you just heard is Bruce Miller. And then we got we got Jared as well on the line. Hello. That is the sound of Jared. This voice. is like Armed Forces Radio, you know? It's like we're coming in from foreign countries. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably a spit away from Jared, yet we're still coming in from other sounds. So there you are. How close are you guys to each other? Well, closer than we are to you. Well, yeah, that's true. How far is it, Jared? I don't even know if I've been there. It's like uh it's like three hours from Sioux City to Mason City. I've always wanted to go there. I really have, because I want to see Music Man Square, and I want to see all those things that are related to Meredith Wilson. Yeah. I know you I know you find that like, oh, God, no, really? But I see it as very subversive, because when you listen, read, follow any of that stuff about Music Man, mm-hmm. I'm sure they were mad as hell when, they, when that first came out about how they looked in the movie or in the, in the Broadway play. Because it doesn't make Iowa look all that good. No, and uh, actually, truthfully, I still haven't. Uh, I still haven't actually watched the music. You haven't seen it? No, and so oh, you must. My, I mean, I know some of the beats and stuff. But my main conception of the Music Man is just the monorail episode of The Simpsons, which is just a Music Man ripoff. I was in the Music Man in middle school. What were you? I played the police officer who arrests uh, the, oh, what was the name of the, the salesman? Harold Hill? Yes, Harold Hill. I had Henry Huggins in my head, but that was a different, that's a different thing entirely. I think. That's my um, dear lady. Yeah. I actually, I, I was in musicals in high school as well. I was the, I was uh, Horace Vandergelder in Hello, Dolly. Oh, wow. Yeah. The Walter Matthau role, which... To give you a sense of, of who I was in high school was when I found out that Walter Matthau played that role. I was very excited. I, I <laughs> the idea <laughs> of like a you know a high school sophomore being like Walter Matthau, yeah. <laughs> I'm old, yay! This, exactly. This guy who's been ancient for all of his life, right? Absolutely. How were the reviews? Did you get good reviews? Did they all say, "Oh, you were so believable as an old guy"? You know, I don't think that the entertainment press showed up to the high school. Uh... No, <laughs> Guffman didn't show. No. They missed up. Michael Musto didn't uh, didn't <laughs> register his uh, his thoughts. 
Well, speaking of Michael Musto, I noticed that he is one of the people on, on GoldDerby.com. This is a hell of a transition. Uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, so Gold Derby is the, the site that we are kind of using to keep tabs uh, for ourselves and uh, just organize thoughts about awards we races. We should get money from them. They own us for giving them a plug. Yeah, I'm surprised, Bruce, that you're not up there as one of the experts. Yeah, I should be, shouldn't I? Wouldn't you think? You got to know people. That's the trick. It's all about who you know. I've been around since dirt, but that maybe isn't the dirt that I'm planting in. So the SAG Awards nominations came out. Can I just say they're a better bellwether of what will get Oscar nominations? Because the actors represent the largest group of voters in the Oscar Academy. So if they are looking at somebody that you probably didn't see in the Golden Globes, more than likely they're going to get a shot. And Minari is one of those things that got a good shot in the SAG Awards. Um, and it was just relegated to foreign film in the Golden Globes. And there are two actors in in the SAG competition now from that film. And I think, and the, and the uh, ensemble. So that'll be an interesting thing to see what happens with that. Last year, you may remember Parasite won in the SAG Awards and went on to win the Oscar. And you, Bruce, you've mentioned that the, uh, the grandmother yeah. from that. Yu Jung Yeon. She's wonderful. And I, I hope that not being able to pronounce her name goes against her. I think she really deserves to be in that field. But, you know, the surprise with them is that they brought in Glenn Close and Amy Adams. And everybody thought they were dead. Like, they're not getting anywhere with this. And now I think they could be in the Oscar race. So we'll see what happens. Mama lives again. That's right. <laughs> Repping the coal country. Yes. Yeah, I was, uh, I mean, going through some of this other things today, I was definitely thinking that I could see Glenn Close as, you know, maybe taking up, taking up some air. Well, and they might feel it's time, you know, they might say, all right, she's due. If not only if she gets nominated, which is, I think much more in the realm of possibility, but if she wins, then that's going to be the most egregious example so far going forward of Oscars recognizing someone so far beyond what they should have recognized that person for. Look at Martin Scorsese for The Departed. The Departed yeah. is not his best film. But it's still a great film. I mean, like The yeah. Departed is one of those movies where if it's on, I'm committed. Like if I'm just in a room and somebody else is watching it, we're ordering a pizza. You know, it's it's not it's not getting turned off. Whereas Hillbilly Elegy, woof, that is not happening. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a Netflix movie where a kid just spends a couple summers with his like folksier family, and then like the central tension is whether or not he's going to get an internship at Yale. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and the whole movie just plays lip service to classism and all of these. Uh, you know, the, the read the book. The book uh, really points up red states versus blue states. And it is a, a better look than I think the, um, the film is. Because they, they always try to smooth things out a little bit so it doesn't seem too controversial for a mass audience. But there could have been more in there that really pointed up the differences, I think. But you never know, you know, who knows what could happen. And then Jared Leto figuring in, that's another one. Jared Leto now is a campaigner. He has been on every damn thing you can find to get 
people that, oh, thank you. I'm so grateful that you're recognizing my little part in this film. He is stomping all over everybody to be able to get in there just to get a nomination. Yeah. Did both of you see? Oh, yes, 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 yes. He is the best thing in it. He is. But if I'm a potential killer, I guess I could have a pretty good role. Have you seen The Little Things, Jared? I, I still have not. I need to. But um, I'm, I'm glad that uh, Jared Leto's taking a break from his uh, Colt Island to uh, campaign for, uh, for Oscar season. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that jumped out with the, with the SAG Awards is that The uh, Five Bloods, Spike Lee's film, shows up a handful of places. And, I mean, it was shut out entirely by the Golden Globe nomination. So I'm thinking there's going to be a bit of a yeah. rush for that. This is a closer um, race for that. You know, the other one I found kind of odd is that Mank doesn't do well in the SAG Awards. Maybe they're just tired of all that stuff and they're turning on it. And Amanda Seyfried, was she in there? I don't think she was. Nope. Good. I don't want her to win. (laughs) I will take Glenn Close over Amanda Seyfried. I really will. Didn't you pretty much peg Amanda Seyfried Uh, as the winner? You think she's going to win? Yes. This is not choice. This is what I think they're going to vote for. But I think her star is falling very quickly. And when Mank doesn't get the most Oscar nominations in any film, but I think it will um, because it has a lot of technical areas. But look at last year, Irishman, zero. Zero awards. And um, come on. If Mank is that, but Mank, I think, has a shot at cinematography because that black and white stuff is really good. Cinematography and uh, special effects, I think, is is going to be something. Uh, production design, I could see it getting like, I don't know if it'll win, but I could see it definitely being on the on the nominations list. Yeah, I think Ma Rainey is really pushing for the costumes and makeup and hair. So we'll see what happens with that too. But I, those two, I think, I still think that Chadwick Boseman's a lock for best actor. I really now, do. Another thing that I feel like in just I don't know just the general like buzz uh and also since having seen it uh last week is One Night in Miami. I feel like One Night in Miami is definitely creeping up in in uh, you know conversations about stuff. I could Leslie Odom Jr. I could see costumes, I could see uh set design, I think um you know director Regina, Regina King. Yeah. Yep. It's also got a pretty she good really- shot at uh Adapted screenplay, too. Mm-hmm. Well, and best picture. Come on. They can have 10. Uh, screenplay is another one that I think uh, De Five Bloods is probably going to do a lot better in uh, for the Oscars than it did for the Golden Globes. Yeah, it'll be there. It'll be there. And you never know. Spike could be there for director, too. I would not be surprised. I don't think he'd win, but... Yeah, I think this is the year of the woman when it comes to directors and Oscars because they've got three really strong candidates who could be in the mix. And I, I, I'm, can I go out on a limb even though I kind of saw off the limbs in a week or two from now? I think a woman's going to win Best Director this year. I really do. Because they love, love, love Regina. And I don't think she's going to get it. But I think Nomadland is going to run right through it and get picture, actress, director, could even get screenplay, could get cinematography. I mean, that's how strong that movie is. Have you guys seen it yet? No. I think it comes out uh, this weekend 
on Hulu? Yep, Hulu on uh, February 19th. Oh, so it's next weekend. It's such a perfect film for these times because here's a woman who she's lost everything. She has to go kind of figure out what her life is going to be like. She goes alone. How long have we been alone, you know, doing our own journeys during this last year? She gets to see what a great world is out there. She meets people and realizes what her life is all about. I I think it captures 2020 better than any movie that we've seen this year. I love the optimism of Minari because I really, uh, it's one of those ones that makes you feel good after you've seen it. But I think there's a lot of predictable um, steps in the whole thing. I think Nomadland keeps you guessing right until the end, what's going to happen to this woman and why is she doing this? So I think Nomadland is your, is still your one to beat. And I, I love, love, love Andra Day in uh, the Billie Holiday, United States versus Billie Holiday. Watch it. It's incredible what she can do. But Lee Daniels has made it such a glossy kind of dynasty-like movie that it really doesn't have that heft that it needs. I mean, there are great performances here and there, but it looks real, I don't know. It looks like it's not the movie it, it wants to be. But she's great. She's great. I think the to kind of go back to Nomadland just a little bit. It's I really am waiting to see how things change about the conversations around that film once people can see it. And, and I think, you know, you could maybe see it. Obviously, it was at festivals and whatnot, but broadly you know, it, it has just hasn't been out there. The thing that you will be surprised at are the real people who are in the film who actually are nomads. And what she's done is she's kind of integrated Frances McDormand with these people. And it's seamless. You don't know that they're not actors. And they just are basically telling their stories. And when you hear these very, very touching stories, there's, a, I think it's Bob, is it Bob Wells, Wills? Uh, this gentleman sits down in a lawn chair and he tells his story and you will weep like you've never wept before because it's a real story and it really speaks to this whole, why would I want to be a nomad just wandering all around? It's incredible, incredible. And you, you know, you always see these people that you kind of think are hanging on the fringes. They're not, it's a choice they made. And for them, it's a better life than maybe being in the rat race that we're in. So I'm high on Nomadland, really, really high on it. It makes me think of, um, did either of you guys see that film Leave No Trace a couple years ago? It makes me think about that a lot. Leave No Trace, which was uh, about a, uh, it was Ben Foster starred as a a military vet uh, with PTSD and a, a daughter in in the woods, uh, in Portland or just outside of, you know, Portland, I believe. Um, and this makes me feel the talk about nomad land makes me feel like it's going to be kind of in that same realm. And I mean, leave no trace was phenomenal, but it also, it didn't get, for whatever reason, it didn't, I think it really got overlooked around. It is kind of interesting to see like something like nomad man, uh, if it does, like, end up winning a lot with the kind of story that it's telling finally be recognized when, like, yeah, Deborah Granick, who made Leave No Trace, has basically been making 
tonally or like politically the same sort of movies her whole career so far like not only leave no trace but obviously winter's bone which won for like acting but not a whole lot else if i remember correctly and then even like her first movie or maybe i don't know if it was her first movie but down to the bone like that's been her whole thing for forever and obviously there's other directors that have worked in that same kind of field of like very class-based kind of uh downtrodden or not necessarily downtrodden but uh kind of on the fringes uh american type uh, movies for a long time but it's interesting to see that it finally cresting maybe with something like a uh, nomad land everything is about timing you know you can have the uh, it's so rare when a film that's released in the spring even is remembered by the time you get to the end of the year uh, one of the few ones like this silence of the lambs and i still remember the oscar um broadcast the year that the year before it won, where they were introducing people on the red carpet, and they said, "And here's Anthony Hopkins, who could be a nominee next year." You're thinking, "Yeah, right. He's not going to be nominated <laughs> next year because they're not going to remember it next year." And he won. So that's a rare exception to that. If they're released in the spring, will they have a shot at Oscars in the in the end of the year? And the answer is often no. Sadly. So something that we have not um, brought up yet is Borat. Borat, she, you know, there's, I know that we, there's your best supporting actress right there. That's what I'm thinking it's it's going to go to. I really do. Yeah, they like young, yeah, young um, actresses. Maria Bakalova. Uh-huh. I mean, come on. Maria Bakalova, uh, she, she's nominated for the SAGs, uh, the Screen Actors Guild. Um, we will see how things play out with the Oscars. She's nominated for the Golden Globe. And uh, I know the the Oscars shortlist for song, they've Wuhan flu released is a in handful there. of... Yeah. Wuhan Flu is in there. I want it. And, I want uh, to see him sing. I... It'll be so good. Uh, yes. Yes. So, yeah, I, uh, I definitely... It, it would be interesting to see how Borat's going to fare. I think they, they'd be up for adapted screenplay. Yeah. I'm not sure how that, because it's a sequel, but the characters are adapted, but is it a, that's, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. And then, you know, you have ones that were yeah. when I was... based on books, like is Aaron Sorkin's lovely tome. Wasn't that based on Tom Hayden's book, but is he really using that book and how original is it? You know, and it's based on transcripts and stuff. I don't know how they figured that. That's really weird. Yeah. The, uh, according to, to Gold Derby, which, uh, you know, it really could go either way, I think. But according to Gold Derby, Borat is in Best Adapted and uh, Chicago 7 is in Original. Yeah, that's weird. And the same thing, Mank. Mank is also in the Best Original, even though, I mean, it's really well known that you know, huge swaths of that are from the Pauline Kael article uh, in the eighties from the New Yorker. So I don't know. I mean, like, like just the, the spine of the, the concept of that film is, you know, taken from there. Um, so I, I think since we're talking about screenplays, uh, one of the things that jumped out to me, I'm, I could I could really see I'm thinking of ending things getting a best adapted screenplay nomination or at least like I hope <laughs> uh, that's uh, I'm thinking of ending things Charlie Kaufman his uh, writing directing 
uh, adaptation of of a book. Um, and yeah, I think I mean that's the like best adapted screenplay. That's where you would see, you know, a Wes Anderson movie get get its nomination. Um, and I feel like I'm thinking of ending things could end up one in there, like but... that is never rarely, sometimes always. Sometimes, yeah, always. and uh, that usually that's how they kind of give a newcomer, as they would consider it, a first shot. Is if you screenplay is is the gateway drug for Oscars, um, because that's where you're going to see somebody <laughs> who doesn't normally get nominated, or somebody who has never been nominated, or somebody who's fresh. You could uh, Diablo Cody, for example, was one who kind of got in that world through that. Um, Susan Laurie Parks is a, a real big one this year because she's written a number of films um, about the black experience. I think she did the Billie Holiday one, if I'm not mistaken, and she did another one too. Um, and she she won a Pulitzer Prize, but she's doing a lot of movie things now. There could be another place for her to fit in if they're looking for that. But yeah, those are those are kind of the fun ones to to kind of eyeball because you think, yeah, they're recognizing some of these films that I really love, but they don't put them anywhere else. You know, and then your, I think you guys, don't you like that Harley Quinn? Aren't you kids big, big Harley Quinn fans? Because that is getting lots of love yeah. now in like visual effects and makeup and all those kind. And you think, really? That thing is going to be nominated for Oscars? This is really weird. I'll vote for the Wuhan flu. You got to recognize the clowns, Bruce. Is that what it is? Because they have a lot of makeup, they therefore are a good choice for makeup, right? It's as simple as that, I guess. Yeah. Um, no, it's just the uh, the the Wall Street bets people are chiming in. That's all. <laughs> you know, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. There has the worst makeup job ever, and it's on Martin Sheen as um, Hoover. It's so awful. And if it even, I mean, that that almost ruined the whole film for me. Just seeing that, I go, oh, my God, what is that? So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, he he kind of does like like a uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man thing with that, because he's only oh, in no. a couple of scenes himself, and then he shows up on the phone a handful of times. And so, you know, it's like, you know, Robert Downey Jr., like he's in, you know, the, the live action scenes, and then I feel like 80% of him is just, you know, in... Atlanta, you know, with a with a green screen, <laughs> like a, in. you know, and a ring light in front of his face. I just looked up uh, his like makeup in 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 this movie, and it oh, it looks horrible. like they just like took a like uh, a potato and just left it in water for like several days. <laughs> it's really bad. High praise indeed. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but he just looks like a. Like, like, like a bruised thumb. You know, those, like, <laughs> those are the things that, that pull you out of it. You know, where you say, I'm really, I'm in. Because they do this documentary kind of style stuff with it that's really fun to see. And, and uh, it has a grittiness that we saw with um, Black Klansmen, where I loved kind of the things they did there. But this takes you so out of it that you can't concentrate on the greater glory of the film. Sometimes makeup can ruin a film. Thank you, Harley Quinn. You're welcome, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Harley Quinn, the special guest for this episode, didn't even know oh, that she I'm was going to be able to book her. It's, it's, it's a good get.
<laughs> yeah, did we talk about the feature documentaries? No. The shortlist? That's one of the, yeah, one of the uh, Academy Award uh, shortlist, which looks like it's got, you know, I don't know, 15 different ones. And I think Time is the one that seems to have the most momentum behind it. Time is the uh, documentary that was filmed over almost like 20 years of a man's family uh, waiting Mm -hmm. for him to get out of jail. Well, my boy state is in there. Love that. I'm glad that's in there. Crip Camp Mm -hmm. is very good. Love that. Yeah, Crip Camp was fascinating. I recently watched that, and I agree. And that's on Netflix. Super easy to find. The one that has the biggest buzz is Dick Johnson is Dead. Um, And this is the one where the filmmaker um, notices that her dad is starting to, you know, miss things and he's diagnosed with um, dementia. And then she decides, well, I don't want to say goodbye at one time. Let's do kind of goodbye scenes that we'd have fun with. And dad is up for it. Dad is so game. Like they have an air conditioner falling out of the, out of a second story window and onto dad and he's dead on the ground. And then you think, Oh my God, dad is dead. And then he gets up, he says, how did I do? Was I good? And <laughs> so he, they keep coming up with these different ways to kill dad. And then you see at the end how he really is slipping away. It's just, it's heartbreaking. But the idea that you had a dad that was so fun to play all that and was so game to help her with her own career, uh, it's marvelous, marvelous. So I think because it is so different, they love her. She's won a lot of early things. I think that could be a... Uh, a real player, MLK, FBI, you know, those get in because, you know, it's frontline basically. Um, when you look at those, those uh, documentary and short subject and all those kind of categories, those are the ones you always lose the Oscar pool on because you can never ever guess what they're gonna vote for. It's gonna be really, it kind of sounds like a goofy title. Is that why it won? And it could be, it could be that simple. Or it's from a country where somebody is, you know, being persecuted and they love that. I always love just looking at the list um, and, and what you were kind of saying there, there Bruce, of like how clashing the, the subject matter of those documentaries can be. Like you see stuff on here that's, you know, very, very serious. Like you were saying, like the MLK versus FBI, very serious subject matter. Welcome to Chechnya. Yeah, Time. time. Those are all very, very heavy ones. But then there's also, uh, you know, Boy State, not quite as heavy. Uh, the Truffle Hunters. Uh, I don't know what my octopus teacher is, but that as a title is not nearly as heavy as uh, some of those other ones. And I always just love seeing that category for the, the complete tonal clashes uh, in the documentary field. Well, and often mm-hmm. if somebody is dying, they love that. They think that's a good idea because, you know, here's the last story of, I'm on a ventilator and I'm, you know, so you wait, there's going to be some, some COVID-19 documentary coming out and how the impact it had. I mean, I look at even the thing with the insurrection that will be, somebody will be doing a documentary that we'll see next year on the list. I can just see it now. So it's weird. You can't judge it. You can't say definitely this is going to win because they've had those years and you thought for sure, oh, this one about, and I, I wish I could give you an example is definitely going to win. And then it doesn't. And you think, why didn't it win? Because it had all this buzz and everybody was just like, it's everybody saw it and documentaries people don't see. 
So did you look at the shortlist for the animated ones? That's where Kobe Bryant won. Kobe won his Oscar for doing that um, kind of a look at his own life with, yeah, with a short uh, an animated short subject. And that was one of those ones that everybody said, Kobe's nominated. We've got to get Kobe an Oscar. Let's do this. But it was good. And that's what's kind of, and he, he paired with Glenn Keane, who was a great, great animator from Disney. And that was kind of his swan song out of the Disney company and um, into a new world. And it was cool. And then, yeah, got Kobe. They're as bad as the Golden Globes. If you can get a big name there, we're doing it. I don't know if they're as bad as the Golden Globes. That just might be one example where they <laughs> edged into that territory. We're giving it to Kobe. Yeah, especially for a category like that. Like, those are the categories, like, everybody either goes to the bathroom during or, like, goes and gets, like, more hummus or whatever. So if you can have, like, an internationally famous basketball player in a category that no one otherwise cares about, like, they're going to do that every time. <laughs> well, it's like where you go, how'd they win an Oscar? I don't remember them winning an Oscar. And it's an actor who produced a short subject and got the Oscar. It wasn't yeah. like they necessarily, they were starring in something, you know. Christine Lottie, for example, has won an Oscar in one of those categories. And she's a great actress, and she should have won one for acting. But it's like they go, Academy Award winner Christine Lottie, and you immediately go, what'd she win for? Was that that one that Goldie <laughs> Hawn cut her scenes? Was that the thing she won for? And then you realize, well, she directed a short subject that won an Oscar, and she got the prize. It's a nice way to get in. So if you want to get an Oscar go through those categories because they're easier to win. So just get your, your iPhone out, folks. This is what you do. You make a little film and you sell the hell out of it and you might get a nomination. It's just that it's easy. Just, that's all it takes. <laughs> and now these phones are so good. You don't even have to worry about editing. It'll edit itself. If Steven Soderbergh can shoot entire movies on an iPhone, anyone else can too. <laughs> So yeah, anybody can can win the uh, the short short film Isn't category. Isn't that the entry level, really? You know, I talked to a, a winner once uh, at the Oscars, and she said she spent thirty five thousand dollars on her film, and she said she could have done it for less, and so and she won. So thirty five thousand dollars, if you have that lying around and you want to make a film, it could win, and you can sell the Oscar for more than that. If you could win only one Oscar, what category would it be in? Like me yeah, personally oh, giving, for something that I you did. You get to win in a category, but what's the category? It's sure not going to be best sound mixing, is it? No. I mean, no no disrespect to the sound mixers out there. <laughs> oh, man. That's a good question. Um, Have you thought about oh, this, yeah. Bruce? Director. I'd want to be best director. Of course. I think that has the most cachet to all of it. Whereas actor... Yeah. It could be best movie star for all you care. Because, um, like, you know, I like Brad Pitt a lot, but that was a best movie star win last year. You know what I mean? So I don't know that those mean as much as best director. Because you see actors who want to be best director. You see writers who'd like to be best director. But you never see them going, you know, I think I'd like to be best supporting actress. It doesn't work that way. See, I think that's what I would want to do. I think I would want to win Best Supporting Well, it's actor. because you played um, in all those sh shows in high school. You had that skill. Yeah. You were Horace Vandergelder, for God's sake. I was. 
And I was uh, Sid Sorokin in in the pajama game. Oh, oh man, got to get better. <laughs> this filmography, incredible. Call IMDb. It's here. Those were all lead roles, but the uh, yeah, I, I would totally take the uh, the supporting because it's I don't know. If I was going to be in Hollywood, I would want to be a character actor, and that's where you end up. I think in in this supporting role. Like, I would want to be, you know, David Strathairn. Like, I don't want to be, you know, Brad Pitt, necessarily. Not that that's... Not, not that I'm even remotely close as it is. Okay, Jared, to what one do you want? He's got supporting actor. I'll go with the original song. <laughs> original song? Yeah. You want to be Diane Warren is what you want. A lot of times in a lot of the years for the Oscars, I'm sorry, as someone who's a big music fan, a lot of the Oscar songs suck. They're not very good. So, like... If you did like a really, really good Oscar song that actually won, that's you know you're you're sitting pretty comfortably. Like uh, it's tough out here for a pimp or Shaft, two of the past winners. Those are really good Oscar songs. Uh, it's hard out here for a pimp, Bruce. <laughs> hard out here for a pimp. Sorry. Yes. See how I miss those winners all the time. Whatever it is. Yes. Yeah, those won. Because those were actually good songs versus like some of the years where it's like. Uh, but believe in yourself, parentheses, making good on a promise or something. Yeah, well, that's a, such a, a wild swing in the best song category. Because, you know, if somebody is a big name, chances are they're getting nominated and a really good chance they're going to win. You know, it's just a matter of time before Taylor Swift is winning. Has anybody's expectations really largely changed in the past week? I think I'm sticking by my main picks. But I could see Spike Lee in there. Nothing has changed, I think, that really rattles my my full expectations yeah, they're for the, the same. Oscars. They're the same. No, not Jared? too much, other than uh, maybe... Uh... Mama does actually make an appearance at the Oscars, but other than that, uh, I'm still still pretty set in my ways with. Uh, yeah, what's I think make it through. Their fortunes have have gone up. The hillbilly elegy people. Um, I think Mank has gone down. I think um, these new ones are coming in and are going to pick off stray spots. Um, Andrew Day for Best Actress. I think she could really be one of the top five. At the expense of the woman from Pieces of a Woman. Is it Pieces of a Woman? Yes. Yeah, Vanessa I can't Kirby. Be, it's Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa Kirby. That's right. Um, I think she could be one that drops off the list because they're not talking about her. But Carrie Mulligan is moving up quite quickly um, for Promising Young Woman. But I still think in that category, um, it's between Viola Davis and. Um, um, ah, Francis McDormand. <laughs> Francis McDormand. Francis McDormand. Sorry. I've talked too much about Nomad Land and I forget her. But I think it's Francis's to lose. I really do. Speaking of a uh, like uh actress and like supporting actress, is uh is Amy Adams just gonna have to be in like Borat three to like finally win an Oscar for something? <laughs> She's up there. She's like Glenn Close. What's odd about that is they both have been longtime losers and they yeah. should have won at some point. It's it's where you get to be 
90-something like Cicely Tyson, and they give you an honorary Oscar. And you think, oh, man, I had to have this many nominations to redeem the coupon to be able to get the statue, and I'm so old I can't hold it anymore? That's where it's bad. And truly, some of these one-shots should not have won. It really is funny that Amy Adams and Glenn Close, who are probably now the two most famous consistent losers at the Oscars, were in the same movie that was like an Oscar bit. <laughs> well, then you got Ron Howard who's going, come on, I can get it for you. You just hang in there. Yeah. I'll wear the hat all the time, and that'll help us win votes. So there we are. You like to talk swag. I got swag for a Best Song nominee besides Diane Warren. It came from I All like this. In... It's a documentary. Janelle Monet wrote a, a song for um, the documentary. And it's a mm-hmm. small Bluetooth speaker that looks like a turntable. Oh. It's cute. It's very cute. Mm-hmm. And I have um, wine glasses from Nomadland that are those kind that you can, like if you go out on a boat and they don't tip over, but they're protective. Nomadland. Yeah. And... Um, a Magnolia uh, air diffuser from U.S. versus Billy Holiday. That's um, you put some stuff in the bottom, then you stick this Magnolia in it, and it makes your house smell great. So that's your swag of the week. Fascinating. Do you guys have any Valentine's Day recommendations? I have two uh, two wildly uh, different ones. One of which I just watched for the uh, the first time, and it isn't necessarily the. Uh, Typical uh, Valentine's experience, but it is a really good um, both historical and um, romance drama in a lot of ways. Um, just the other day, actually, before the Super Bowl, which was horrifying. Um, I didn't want to bring it up. I <laughs> I know that, that, that I, I didn't want to trigger anything in you. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> good. I, I was in a good place because earlier in the day, um, I watched um, A Hidden Life, which is the Terrence Malick movie from um, 2019. Which is about, it's a, based on a true story, and it's about this um, Austrian farmer and, like, very devout Catholic who basically um, refused to fight for the Nazis during World War II. So it's very much a historical drama, but then a lot of the movie, too, just has these very, as the more narrative, like, Terrence Malick movies tend to do, these very lovely, really romantic and, like, intimate scenes with him, the farmer, um, and his wife, who stays behind in the village, and actually the, the real... Um, wife she lived to be like a hundred and like stayed in the village for the rest of her life even after her uh, husband was uh sent away and um the the thing i love about it and the thing i love about any of the the malik stuff is just the really really small moments have such like power and like i said intimacy and like beauty to them because there's just a couple different scenes in the movie um you know where they're just laying in a field it's nothing that like necessarily like heated or passionate or anything just these two people laying in a field next to each other but the way he, like, can shoot stuff and the way he plays with, like, narration over that just makes it all just this really beautiful and very powerful thing. So it's a historical drama, but it's also a really good romantic drama, too. Well, that's a good one. That's a great one. Chris, do you have, that you have none one. on your list? I have got Albert Brooks's Defending Your Life is what I would say. Uh, from 1991, it is... Uh, you've got... The whole thing takes place in heaven, I guess, or kind of like a almost purgatory or whatever, uh, where you have to defend your actions over the course of your life uh, to figure out where you end up in heaven. And the uh, Albert Brooks character 
falls in into a thing with with Meryl Streep and the the tension is just uh, really wonderful. Meryl Streep just flexing in this movie. She is so effortlessly charming and yeah, uh, and Albert Brooks the I mean the the script, the writing, the yeah, Rip Torn is in it. He's certainly the best actor with a present slash past tense first name last name situation going on. Yeah, I can't I can't recommend defending your life more for anybody looking to snuggle up with their and that's uh, their sweetie. that's actually coming out on the Criterion Collection next month. Yeah, they're they're slowly making their way through uh, a bunch of Albert Brooks's movies. I think uh, was it Lost in America mm-hmm. came out a year or two yep. ago. Uh, you know what I'm putting on a list? I know you're gonna go. Oh God, Shape of Water. You know the kind of reptilian uh, love yeah, oh yeah. film. Yeah, I think it's it's very kind of because. So many people don't really have that one true passion person in their lives. And they kind of settle, if you will. And here's a woman who is just, you know, you think this is the last person you should be with or thing you should be with. And the love that starts very small and then grows into something much bigger and how it wraps up. I I think that's very kind of fascinating, even though it's probably more a sci-fi film than anything. But I like it. I think it's kind of fun. That movie got clowned on a, a lot when it won, and even before that, and, and since then. But I, I actually really did uh, enjoy that one, and it was, it was definitely overly like sentimental. But I actually didn't mind it at all with that particular movie. I think its sentimentality works. And I think that's one where timing was on its side. They knew when to release that film, so it would peak at the right time. Uh, this year, what we're seeing is that because they're so late this year. Some have already peaked, and then we're seeing these last-minute ones slipping in. So, ladies and gentlemen, Jared Leto, Best Supporting Actor, The Little Things. I mean, if he wins, it's going to be the result of some real, you know, split votes. You only need to win by one. That's all you need is one extra person. It's a perfect example of not so much the best acting, but just the most acting. Um, yeah, he, he really, he commits to it. So we got, we got our love stories. We got our, we got our swag reports. If you're not a Valentine's person, you're not a very sentimental person. You need like an anti, uh, Valentine's, uh, maybe a double feature. You can watch, uh, you can watch her and then you can watch Blue Valentine right after that. And that'll just really, all right, really get you feeling good about love and romance and (laughs) no, That is a whole other thing that we could talk about at some point. Bittersweet romance. Well, those movies. are two of the top tier ones right there. <laughs> yeah, I'd say what all the real girls, that early uh, David Gordon Green movie is one that I throw in the mix. Yeah. yeah. Eternal Sunshine wrecked me, not just from a romance standpoint, but from I left that movie thinking like, there's no way that you could ever forget people like that. And then I'm like, how many people have I been like friends with over, you know, however many decades of life that, you know, crashed on their couch or whatever that I have, you know, completely forgotten about. Or if I'd never thought about them again, it would not be an absence in, in my comprehension of of my reality and past. And that was just like, Oh, like (laughs) it just shook the foundations of, you know, existence. I'll never forget with, uh, when I went and saw her, I actually saw it with, uh, 
two of my friends from um, undergrad, and we were walking out of the theater, and one of my friends said, um, I love that movie and thought it was incredible, and I never want to see it again. <laughs> yeah. It hurts, man. There are films like that, though, where you really you can't go back and revisit them. Some because you don't want to go through that long of an experience. That's Gandhi for me. But then there are other ones where it's just so brutal or it is so um, it's so of the moment. It's that one moment you want to preserve. You don't want to have to try and reparse it, if you know what I mean. Can I ask, how romantic are you guys? Are you really big romantic guys or not? Like when Valentine's Day comes, are you all in or is it like, oh, what day is it? Some years I have tended towards, you know, large gestures. And then other years it's been You don't have nothing. the boombox over your head, like say anything, and you're there and doing that whole big kind of thing. No. no. That, that that classic cinematic example of, of healthy relationships. Right. Yeah, right. that's the. <laughs> so you don't do that. Are you like that, Jared? Do you, are you all in on this or not? So a lot of times just because of the way that it's worked out in the past, um, I've been... Uh, single on Valentine's Day, woe is me. I've been dating the same woman for a while now, but she doesn't live here in Mason City with me. She Right now, she's actually back in uh, Tucson, but she uh, goes to grad school in Kansas City. And, um, you know, it makes it a little harder to do anything super, super elaborate when, when that's the case. Um, but, you know, w- with any kind of holiday or any kind of celebration with someone, whether, you know, it's the person you're dating or with me with, like, you know, family members or friends, too, I, I try to give them uh, something that I know that they would like and that we actually have, like, personal connections um, with, like, the, the me and the other person. And so that's definitely the case, too, with um, what I ended up giving as a gift for uh, Valentine's Day. It actually ended up being a, uh, a uh, movie and or TV show. I'm not going to say which because my girlfriend oh, really? does listen to some of these, and so I don't want to spoil what it is. You're getting a movie. Yeah, or a TV oh, show. <laughs> That really narrows it down. <laughs> you don't need to have a huge gesture day. If that is, you're kind of maybe guilty of something. So every day should be Valentine's Day, not just one day out of the year. Yeah. How's that for philosophy? Dr. Phil is it weighing in right now. It's a good sentiment. That's the sensible yep. cop-out answer. <laughs> you know you wouldn't get by with it if you came with nothing. So you know you got to have something on that day. Just saying. Chicken soup for Bruce's there soul. You go. The... <laughs> Yoda speaks. <laughs> so we've come to the end of another one. Uh, Bruce, do you want to give our, our patented, trademarked, copywritten uh, tagline You know, here? and this is a great thing for the gift. Because if you're going to do something on Valentine's Day, see something good this week and you'll be able to enjoy it see something good wonderful uh yeah so that that is it so that is the end of the episode you can check the show notes for links to where you can stream the movies we talked about and discover older episodes as well as find ways to contact bruce jared and myself if you want our next episode will be honestly we we haven't talked about any of that yet so no telling but I'm sure it will be great, so make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so as not to miss out. The show is produced by myself, Bruce, and Jared, and I'm the one who records and edits it. We hope you enjoy the show and are taking care of yourselves out there. 
As always, thank you so much for listening.